Welcome back after a bit of a break. We've had a bunch of birthdays and scheduling conflicts, so our apologies. This week, we have a few special guests from Cantrip Cartel. Make sure to check them out. We talk about our legacy decks as we get ready to go to a paper tournament. Find us at familygathering.fm. Leave us a message at magic at familygathering.fm. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Family Gathering Podcast. Uh, This week, we've got something a little different. Joe, Jonathan, and Valentine are off doing some other stuff. But I am here with Matthew. He's been here before. Hey, guys. And we're also here with Jake. Hello. is friends with Matthew. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's kind of the new kid in Magic. Uh, comparatively in the room, I am the new kid on the block. Yep. Well, how long have you been playing Magic? I have been playing Magic for probably about three or four years. Okay. I would say Jonathan might be ahead of you. <laughs> he's catching it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what do you want to talk today about? Uh, so we're getting ready for a Legacy tournament tomorrow. I just want to talk about Legacy some. Gotcha. What decks are you guys playing and having fun with? Uh, this isn't going to go up before Those the tournament. Definitely. Different questions. They are. <laughs> Very different things, yes. Elves and none. <laughs> none is probably strong, but Matt's taking his tried and true deck, Elves. I brewed up a bit of a different deck, playing a little more the meta. So I'm going to play Jeskai, Dragon Rage Channeler, Murktide stuff. Mm-hmm. Kind of a good stuff pile in blue, white, and red. Playing four out of the five ban-worthy cards in Legacy at the yep. moment? Uh, basically, we decided I'm trying to take a stance by showing how broken these cards are and taking them to a tournament. Yeah. White isn't typically known for having good cards. It White has just enough good cards that when you get to run four of them, it's good enough. Yep. Speaking of how White doesn't have good cards, what are you playing, Derek? Oh, I'm playing Death and Taxes. <laughs> oh, that mono white deck. Yeah. Right. But cool. see, it's okay. Death Green and Taxes have good cards only plays one of and then lets you search for it. Yeah, you have you get to use one of the yes. most powerful mechanics in Magic, which is tutoring. Yes. The ability to just go get whatever you need. Yeah. There's yeah. a... There's not really any card draw, but there's a surprising amount of tutoring mm-hmm. and just synergy. Yep. We were, we played several games. We've been um, basically prepping all night. Yep. And I was playing against Derek. And more than once I said, you know, oh, you don't have any cantrips. I'm going to, that's going to be your downfall. I'm going to win this game because I get to draw three cards a turn and then proceeded to lose every one of those games. Yep. And most of that game, that specific game, I had more cards in my hand at uh, all times. Almost the whole time. You had three and I had five. Yep. And like you said, I won uh, yep. handily. We yeah. had a couple of close games, but yeah, well, they were they were all very close. They were all very skill intensive games, mm-hmm. but I won. But I played Turtles in Time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he did. Yeah, he Matt did. sat behind us on his twenty five year old Nintendo and yeah, played an old arcade game. Isn't Correct. that on the arcade at Joe's house? Yes, he has the arcade version and the regular version on that thing yeah. uh, what we were playing when we were over there was the arcade version nice. I actually prefer the Super Nintendo version I think it plays a little better but I mean that also looks a little better in my opinion I like Dark Souls 3 yep so we're getting ready for a legacy tournament uh, I asked you a little bit ago while we were out at the store how many people you expected you said probably around 30 I'm guessing so I was okay. looking at the Facebook page and it says 14 to 15 people are marked as going mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a relatively large 2k and with it allowing 10 proxies, I'm kind of like extrapolating where if 15 people said they're going to go online, probably around two to three times that many people are planning on going because obviously most people just show up. Yeah. So I'm kind of hoping to see between like 25 and 40 people, yep. which would be a, a pretty big field for us that at least I'm used to. I've never played a large GP or anything. That'll be one of the biggest tournaments I've been a part of. 
And I think it'll be definitely some stiff competition. There's that many people there rocking decks that are allowed up to 10 proxies. That kind of breaks the budget barrier for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, you proxy ten lands that you needed and didn't mm-hmm. have. Yeah, you pretty much four thousand dollars for, exactly. and now you can play. I mean, that's you look at a couple of proxies can be the difference between somebody playing lands and not. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, literally one. Yeah, yeah. Tabernacle of Pendulum Veil, proxy like a Tabernacle, or five thousand dollar card. Yeah, I mean, we talk, even elves. Elves is an incredibly expensive deck unless you proxy it for guys' cradles, and then it's almost modern elves or popper elves. Yeah, I mean the or cradles historic. and the bayous or historic elves. They're pretty much the same elves. I'm pretty. Yeah. I'm pretty sure if historic was playable in paper, I could talk Matt into buying historic elves in oh, paper. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> possibly foil. Yeah. Probably the thing foil. is, I probably own most of it. You, yeah, you, you do. probably have yeah. a lot of it. You do. So, Matt, you're playing elves. Yep. What do you not want to play against? Well, traditionally speaking, my bad matchups are fast combo decks. Mm-hmm. Um, show and tell, reanimator, and storm are the ones I really don't like playing against. Uh, I typically speaking, don't mind playing longer grindier games because I, I kind of lean on the fact that I've been playing so long and I know my deck really well. I just count on beating people mm-hmm. that I, I 100% go to a tournament planning on winning games. I shouldn't win. Uh, that's what happened when I won that my first one K. I mean, I, I beat punishing Jund and the guy was like, how the heck did you beat me? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. I just been playing elves for 20 years. You've been playing elves since they were printed. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. So, like that's just kind of what i do i mm-hmm. i feel like if i get to play the game and it's not just over on turn two or three i have a very good shot so that's kind of how i build my sideboard um that being said i'm not looking forward to playing against some of the modern horizon two cards we've talked about uh murktide regent urza's saga and uh, dragon rage channeler are all cards that really just don't cost enough mana for what they do what well, they urza's do saga typically- doesn't cost anything right yeah. What they do is kind of fine if they if it all costs more mana, but like Murktide Regents usually a six six at least for two mana. That flying. seems to be the problem. In our testing that we've had over between today and a couple of days ago, we did we've probably put between three and six hours of testing into yeah. these new cards. Murktide is what really pushes the deck, at least over yours, where the games where you can't combo out early and just end the game on turn three. Being able to slam that eight eight in the air, it just yeah. wraps the game up so quickly that you are you you do not get to play the grindy game yep. that your deck is prepared to play. Right, because I'm going to kill you in two. We, we talk about it's a progenitus. Yeah. yeah, the game is over in two to, turns. Yeah, I have to cast natural order to get my giant dude out. In every, people playing islands, just tap two blue. Exactly. Yeah, so. I do have to fill my graveyard though. Oh, casting those cantrips. Yeah, is those brutal. one mana spells. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm the only blue player here. Yep. Yeah, we have which is which is odd because historically among our group of friends, I am the blue player. Yeah. Well, we were talking. You played my deck a little bit, and you mm-hmm. piloted it very well. You are very comfortable in that oh, Jeskai yeah. tempo slash mid range. Yeah, he's got shoes. Jeskai control in modern. Gotcha. Yep. It, it's definitely outdated now, but that's I played that in modern for like three years straight. Mm-hmm. I had it foiled out, other than seven cards. And that was <laughs> four scalding tarns, and. Three other lands. Yeah. Some of the it, ridiculously expensive like, stuff. Oh, yeah. I would. And I would just pick up random stuff. I was like, I might eventually play that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's, that's how I know Matt does elves. That's how I do. My preferred deck in Legacy that I actually own is basically blue-white control. And mm-hmm. whenever a new set comes out, I usually pick up anything that could go in it. As long as it's like five, ten bucks. Because, yep. I don't know, I might play it. You might, yeah. Yep. Anything that's even remotely conceivable. I've got like a stack of cards that have been like tossed in and out of sideboards mm-hmm. and... Oh, that's a one of, and 
I mean, I have a Savannah because I used to splash white. Yep. <laughs> now the Savannah just sits in my binder. So you're going to play this Jeskai Tempo deck. What are you hoping to play against or not hoping to play against? I am worried about playing against a lot because, mm-hmm. it's, like I said, I'm not a master of this deck. You guys are both taking decks that you're really well established with. You are a great D&D player. You are a D&D player. You are a great yeah, elf a player. Cowabunga! <laughs> D&D. D&D player. <laughs> I am a control player, and this is not a control deck. And so I was talking to Matt earlier about how I quite often keep hands that are too controlling. I don't, you know, this, there isn't the establish a threat and end the game quickly. I pick the hands where it's like, oh, I have two ponders and two swords. This is good enough. It's not. So Yeah, and I told you that. Like, yep. you need to be the beat down. 100%. And yeah. you, you definitely didn't. In my from my side of the table, I didn't feel like you were trying to be the beatdown. No, nope. I was keeping hands that were very safe in terms of controlling, and I can't. I can't do that right now. I don't have the ability to end because I'm planning on what I'm comf- usually planning towards is monastery mentor, which just ends the game in two turns and gets through a source to plowshares. You know things like Jace the Mind Sculptor, which puts a game on lock, and we're not working towards that anymore. We're working towards Dragon Rage Channelers, maybe a DRC. But that's still a very answerable threat unless you're playing something dumb like elves. Mm-hmm. So I'm most I'm worried about the mirror because I am prepared to get my butt kicked by someone who knows what they're doing in a mirror. And but the most thing I most thing I'm usually afraid of, and the reason I play blue is fast combo. Yeah, I'm always I'm always afraid of fast combo. Sometimes you just can't stop unmask thought sees uh, into an anime dead on turn one. Yeah, that's it's tough to beat that yep. stuff. So, so I, what are you hoping to play against? I'm hoping to play against like Bant Control and like mid rangey decks. I okay. think I am the superior mid range deck. Like we're talking about, this is kind of towing the line between a tempo deck and a mid range deck because yeah. I do run things like Wasteland, but I also have a lot of removal and I think, and I have a lot of graveyard hate. I think I can be the superior mid range. And so what I'm kind of hoping is a lot of people are coming pre programmed to beat Ragavan, Blue Red Tempo, uh, tempo decks, and I want to prey on them. Mm hmm. So that makes sense. Yeah, the decks that are planning their turn one gut shots or their turn one lightning bolts and whatnot, I want to be prepared to hopefully go over them. But I'm also probably going to go O three and scrub out, but and sit in the car. Yeah. Hey, if we all do that, we can just go home early. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Ryan, our boss. Yeah. And he said because I was trying to get Monday off, it'd be really cool. Matt has it off. It'd be cool if I could have it off too. And he said, I have eh, it off too. Just not going to work out. We kind of need you to come in. We'll get you a light day, whatever. And I was like, well. That's kind of good news because that means one of us is going to top eight for sure. Yeah. yeah. You're going to be screwed. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> because I have to work on Monday. So we're going to have to be there until midnight yeah, and, and then make that four hour drive home. Starts at one o'clock. Yeah. Right? So one o'clock, almost guaranteed five rounds of Swiss plus Minimum. Got the top eight. So you're talking like it's going to be. If one of us makes the top eight, we're not going to leave till eight or nine o'clock. Easy. Oh, minimum. Yeah. I, I think I, I don't plan on getting out of there before eight o'clock if we play all of our rounds. Which, you know, I, we might cut early, but we talked well, about I mean, earlier. If it's five rounds, they're 45 minute rounds. Yeah. Like if none of us make the top eight, we'll be out of there by six or seven. Yeah. Yeah. But it won't start till two o'clock because no one can get there on time. If we run five hours Hopefully at seven. They're like, this is this one is, of the things I l- really love in a game store. I really like strict rules. Yeah, me too. The, if the tournament starts at one o'clock at one o'clock, it should be time to play the first round. Mm-hmm. Yes. I here's your pairings. It's one o'clock. Yeah, fantasy games where we used to play sometimes is very much like you have to be signed up by six thirty. Yep. At six thirty five, pairings go up. Yep. If you're not in there, then it's you're standard rules. Next week, you 
have a chance to play, but you're going to take a game loss or a match loss. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is fine with me. There's, because, no, there's nothing worse than going to like an FNM. I'm, I've gone to many sealed events or like pre-releases and me and my wife get there and we wait for 40 minutes because someone called and said they're running late and we're waiting on them. One of the yeah. last times yeah. Matt and I went to a card store to play games, we got there 15 minutes early and then we waited for at least a half an that hour. That modern tournament? Yeah. Yeah. At least a half an hour. Yeah. So. Incidentally, I was playing elves there. Yep. Shocking. Shocking. I was playing Jeskai. Oh, hey. <laughs> uh, maybe I should give you my deck. Maybe maybe, maybe we should switch. I mean, I can play D and T as a as a control deck. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it, it, it is probably not the beatdown. Every now and then, yeah. Against Storm, it is. Yeah, yeah. this is true. <laughs> Thalia beatdown. Yeah. Like I said, I like my two one beatdowns. Speaking of D and T, and we're kind of running through, you know, what we're playing, what we're doing. Um, obviously, I want to know why you should, why you decided to play Death and Taxes. But a weird thing about you and Death and Taxes is you fetch shit first. Yes. You always chase down JIT first. I noticed that when we were playing, you said So I say first, it's probably like 90%. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now I'm running Cauldra, JIT, and Batter's Call. I did have Sword of Fire Nice before the um, Cauldra. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I almost always go for JIT. Um, one of the reasons is because if my Stoneforge gets killed, it's still only two mana to put out. Very castable. And two mana to equip much more castable and equipable than most other decks. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I have seen a lot in Legacy and Modern, not that it's legal in Modern, is that there are a surprising number of creatures that are one toughness that are really good. Yeah. And Jit kills them really well. I mean, Jit wiped the floor with me several times. Yeah. And that's my deck is I'm kind of prepared for the Stoneblade package. It's a very powerful package right now. Uh, but all the experience I have playing online and watching content online, it's always the cauldra first, maybe the batter skull first. So having that, when you getting that jit in your hand, one, it always makes me scared that he's actually got cauldra in his hand and he's just sandbagging it, which could happen. And that is a thing. Like, so you like, and I'm more scared or two, like jit is a problem and it's mm-hmm. hard to answer sometimes. And I told you earlier, jit is kind of like a planeswalker. Mm-hmm. It has three abilities. Yeah. And that card's so broken. I like having abilities. Yep. The options are powerful. And we've talked before on our podcast, Cantrip Cartel, that options are one of the most important things in Magic. The more options you have, the more lines of play you have available, yeah. which is good. And creates a lot of opportunity for your opponents to misplay. Very true. And like you said, if I fetch the JIT, now some amount of your brain power is like, does he have the Cauldra? Mm-hmm. Does he have the Batter Skull already? And you have to play around it. And then you are worried about that for who knows how long. You can't not play around Cauldra Complete and a Stoneforge ready to go. Yeah. Because it's a 5-5, insert all keywords. Yeah, lots of words. Lots of keywords. So I just like JIT for all those reasons. It's cheap, it's equipable, Mm -hmm. it has lots of abilities. And and Cauldra has lots of abilities. Mm -hmm. I mean, it has lots of keywords. Well, I would say JIT is much more flexible than Cauldra, for sure. Cauldra Cauldra does does one thing and runs one thing Mm -hmm. very well. Yes. Jit has lots of different abilities. Mm-hmm. So you're playing D&T, yep. which allows you to play Jit. Yep. What made you want to bring D&T to the tournament tomorrow? A few things. One, it's the only deck I actually have in Legacy. Two. Good qualifier. Yep. Yeah, it, it's a great one. Step one, <laughs> have the deck. Um, All right, got it. Two, I and I've said this, I think, on our podcast before, I'm a big fan of, in more eternal formats, finding a deck or two and really learning them. Which is what Matt has done with elves. Mm-hmm. He's been playing elves for like 22 years now. And well, I don't 
play DNT for 22 years. I've played that style of deck here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, I played it in modern for a while with hate bears as they were called then. Yep. DNT. And I've just, I've grown, grown to love that style of deck and I don't get mana screwed really. Yeah. I might not have land period, but I almost always have my white mana. You almost never get wastelanded off mana. Exactly. Happened to me many times playing against you and yep. the deck I've chosen to play right now doesn't run any basics. I don't know. If there's room for them. And it's a very find one. It's a very scary thing because yeah. there were several games where I'm looking at two of my volcanic islands in the graveyard and go, I have one more red source in this deck. And that was something when I built the deck and I built it around 2017. I wanted to play Wasteland really bad. Mm-hmm. I was I started playing Magic when Wasteland came out in 97. But in 97, we only played basic lands yep. and we didn't really we get barely the had enough power. The basics. Yeah, and we yeah we struggled to get basic lands. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand the power of a wasteland. Mm-hmm. We knew strip mine, but strip mine got rid of anything. Yeah. So now that I've gotten more into competitive magic in the last like ten years, I was like, man, I want to play wasteland. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not a standard card. Nope. It's not a modern card. Nope. Sadly. Sadly. And I think it could maybe be maybe be modern playable. Maybe modern would be a completely different world. Yeah, yeah but for that's not always yeah, bad. Not necessarily for the worst. That's but not like, always bad. That's a big change. Um, <laughs> screw your stomping ground. <laughs> so screw God, we can make Ponza a deck, an actual deck. Yeah, like, like it's always kind of on the cusp and be like, yeah, I'm gonna turn one land of war off, turn two stone rain. Oh, by the way, wasteland two. <laughs> so I wanted to play wasteland, which means legacy. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I started. Like, what deck? plays wasteland and i was like oh wasteland and rashad import another yeah. card that came out shortly after i started playing but i didn't really get and i didn't have the money for it when it was out even back in standard it was a 15 yeah, was 20 dollar card it was a huge card in standard which at the time like people look at standard stuff now that's 15 20 and that's kind of normal yeah but back then that was like crazy yeah, yeah. people forget once upon a time jace was fifty dollars, mm-hmm. and that blew people's mind yep. that a magic card was fifty bucks. Oh yeah, yep, yep. Stoneforge at the time too, mm-hmm. he was huge. Yeah. yeah, and meanwhile, when Derek and I were playing at the lunch tables, Gaia's Cradle was twenty dollars. Yeah, and we were playing it on sleeve. Yeah, there was dual lands at our card store that were like ten bucks. Yep. I I, I don't have a job. Ten bucks yeah. might as well be hundred. I bought Tropical Islands at twenty five dollars a piece at one point. I paid one seventy for mine, and I'm so happy. Yep. Yeah. And I resold them to the guy. At 25, like a year later, because they hadn't changed price at all. Uh huh. And I wasn't using them. Yep. I remember we were when I first got into Magic. Like Scrubland was the was the mm-hmm. like the perfect like 100 bucks buys you a duel. Yeah. You can get a duel land for 100 bucks. I think they're now 250, 300 dollars for like yeah. moderately played. Oh yeah. For the one that does, doesn't see hardly any play. Yeah. Exactly. No one plays it. I mean, underground season volcanics are eight nine hundred dollars. Hmm. So I I just like that style of deck. I wanted to play Rashad and Port. I wanted to play Wasteland. Mm-hmm. I love Thalia. Good so card in a brainstorm it, format. Yep. It just kind of all fit together for me. Yep. The whole the whole liking to, you know, have a solid mana base is the reason I built essentially blue white control. Sometimes I'll I'll splash in like a volcanic island for Jeskai, but I usually run like six, seven basics mm-hmm. because I don't want to not play magic. Yeah. And wasteland, wasteland, you're not playing magic. Yep. Yep. That's why a lot of people like Joe loves discard. Mm-hmm. But the thing about discard is that I can make you discard your whole hand, but you still get to draw your still top draw card. Them. 
if I destroy all your lands, it doesn't matter what you draw. Do you run Cataclysm in your D&T list? I have one in the sideboard. I was so scared. We were playing. We had one game go. I mean, I was like a third of my deck was left. Yeah, I brought I was, it in. I was so scared. <laughs> I was going to see a Cataclysm and be like, I only have one more fetchable on the deck. <laughs> I can't get rid of all I'm of done. these. <laughs> yeah, I, I brought it in. Yeah. One of the games. I think it came up. Um, Derek was like, can you even cast Murktide? Yeah. With the lands in your deck? And I was yeah, like. Because there was a rest in peace. I cannot. No. Yeah. yeah. Because I had wastelanded enough stuff. Yep. You had wastelanded me out. Rest in peace was in play. I couldn't delve. Yeah. I made some bad decisions that game. It happens. Like building the deck. Oh, no. No, it's no, a good deck to build. A, it's a good deck. It's, it's fun. a good deck to build. So, Hopefully uh, I get paired against a different elf player than Matt and I can watch his heart sink when he plays a Progenitus and then I play a Murktide and he realizes I cannot race you. So Matt is the Matt slash elves is the deck I'm not looking forward to playing mm-hmm. against. Yep. I almost never can beat elves. I think it's like Matt said four and ten, and I think it's more like one and ten. Mm-hmm. I have to get really lucky. Your deck just attacks him on an axis that does that not his work. deck doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Like I tapped your land. Okay, then I'll tap my other five creatures uh-huh. and my guy's cradle that I just played and add twelve mana mm-hmm. and win. Yep. I mean, hitting him on yeah, Thalia does very little. No. You might hit his glimpse if he glimpses on turn three. It, even yeah, the I glimpse, run very few non-basic, it's the so natural order that I might get. Mm-hmm. But, but you might make his natural order cost five. Yeah. But very rarely is the difference between four and five significant to elves. No. It, and Not for natural order. Yeah. And it's the same thing in historic. Like that deck just makes some. I think the historic deck might make more mana, which is crazy. Yeah, the, well, that's the thing is a lot of the legacy elf deck isn't designed to make mana necessarily a ton of mana mm-hmm. in big chunks. It's designed to do like steep bursts. Mm-hmm. So it's like I want to race to four and get a natural order or I want to go one, two, one, two, one, three yeah. and like turn all my elves into dark rituals, that kind of thing. Yeah, it just functions a little a little differently. Um, a lot of decks run like Elvish Archdruid or Priest of Titania and whatnot, like the modern and uh, historic versions where it's like get a few elves out tell, tap one elf get 10 mana and hard cast something like crater hook yeah the hard cast crater up a lot yep it also What's just that guy's dumps name? its hand a lot the dude that has overrun on his he's overrun on a stick i can't remember his name he's a legendary creature i keep thinking eldrazi but it's not eldrazi yeah starts with an e I can't is it the one that also either. gives him regenerate yeah, yeah he's yeah. three mana and you can pay five to overrun Yep. Yeah. For elves. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but I mean, they, like that's they, they use big mana the, dumps. The deck also has um Alsor Shepherd. Yeah. They got Alsor Shepherd in there, and like I've lost to plenty of Alsor Shepherds yep. pumping the team. Look, look, we're all five fives now. Yeah. Azuri. 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 Yeah. yeah. There we that's go. Yep. It took me a second. You don't have every elf card memorized? Nope. nope. Most of them. He's probably pretty close. <laughs> He's probably very he close. He owns most of them too. Yeah. And, and most of the good ones. Right. All the good ones. Any he elf is, there's some There's some historic stuff that I. I yeah, probably. I don't, I don't know if historic counts as good. Yeah. It's a format. <laughs> it does exist. This might get cut out, but I made a post on the MTG Legacy Reddit as a joke, being like, hey, Brainstorm has been officially banned out of another format. Pretty crazy, right? And I had like three comments being like, what format are you talking about? What do you mean? And I was like, oh, historic. You know, it got suspended and then banned and blah, blah, blah. And I had like 15 downvotes. Yep. That and I was like, fine, whatever, delete. I'll just remove the post if we can't take a freaking joke. Reddit is one of those things, like, it's a great place and a horrible place at the same time. It yes, is. it is. Yeah, you really have to know, 
like your posts need to be geared towards whatever the Reddit hive mind is for the subreddit you're in, or else they just don't. Cowabunga! Yeah, <laughs> very true. So, uh, what what's the spiciest card you're running that you don't see most people playing? The, the biggest spice we put in my deck, which I usually like running some spice because spice is fun. I think the the spiciest thing we did was we put a Relic of Progenitus in our list instead of a Soul Guide Lantern. So Soul Guide Lantern is usually in there. Urza Saga can fetch it. I can use it to exile your graveyard or my opponent's graveyard, draw a card, do all kinds of stuff with it. We put in Relic of Progenitus. Same thing. It's fetched out. I can nuke your graveyard or all grave. It nukes all graveyards, but it pairs well with Murktide in that I'm hoping to get a chance where I can push through an extra four points of damage by like declare attacks, no blocks. Nuke all graveyards, exile yeah. four instants from my graveyard, pump heart tied to a 12 yeah. or whatever. I like it. Probably the spiciest thing we're running. Just kind of that we talked about how it isn't the safe play because it obviously hurts for future Merc Tides. It hurts yeah. DRC, but it's the power play. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. play is what gives the most power, and we're playing towards the most powerful deck we can to yeah. try and win. Consistent, like Matt said, a consistent, hyper consistent deck is what goes three and two. I want to go 5 0. Yeah, you have to get lucky to win. Yep. That's what a lot of people don't want to admit when they go into a tournament. Like, magic is a game of variance. You it's have a game to have variance. Yeah, the guy who's going to win, he's going to go undefeated, mm-hmm. and that to go undefeated takes some luck. Takes you have luck. to have the right draws. Yeah. You have to have very few bad ones. Your opponents have to misplay. There, like, so many things have to go right in order for you to win a tournament mm-hmm. that you just go. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna try to get lucky. Yep. That's, I mean, that's what I do. That's my whole deck. That's all elves is. I mean, that game we played. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I we were playing, and I just like I needed a natural. All I did was just like I'm gonna play and I'm gonna draw natural order, and then it just went whoop natural order win swung yep. kill him. Like that's yeah. literally how you had to play elves, and that's the way I approach like every game of Magic I play mm-hmm. is I'm gonna win this. I'm gonna win this by drawing what I need when I need it, and I'm gonna set myself up to do that. That's that's how we roll with building decks. That's mm-hmm. why we've got the relic in there. Is like yeah. at some point and we're we're still playing a relatively tuned deck, a popular deck, and from the meta. I'm not going to try and make a left field brew, yeah. but I'm maybe going to take a card out that could be less consistent and make it more powerful. Well, and the thing is, I don't think a lot of people will see that line. Mm-hmm. Like no, they, I don't, I don't think, think so. That's that's one of the things that's going to give it. It's going to give you a little bit of an mm-hmm. edge. Is you're going to get that, and they'll be like, "Why are you getting that?" And they're not going to realize because I mean. The clause on Merktide Regent that allows it to do that is such a weird, oh. unintuitive thing to begin with. People and it's at the bottom it. of the card. People miss yeah. it all the time. Right. Because People stop yeah. halfway through. You get tired of reading because your eyes start to hurt. Right. right. So you just, yeah, because there's 18 lines of text uh-huh. on every creature printed now. So Matt, what, anything spicy in your deck? Uh, about the spiciest thing with me is I, I think currently my list is 62 cards. Oh, nice. you bumped to 62. Um, we were 61 before. Yeah. I normally run 61. I just can't. I can't pick a card I want to cut. Mm-hmm. Um, Actual order. Probably. You go down Guy's on that. Cradle. Definitely Guy's so like, Cradle. I mean, it's legendary. You can more than one at a time. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. You'd never want to draw two. <laughs> um, they, so, like, Grist was printed, and he goes in. He's a very good card. Um, he's a basically a Green Suns. You can, he's a Green Suns Zenith target for a Planeswalker, yep. which is just great. And he just, uh, he's the, the ability to kill anything repeatedly. Right. Yeah, he's, like, he's not super powerful, but he's removal that I can tutor for. Mm-hmm. Um, you can natural order him out as well, technically. Although you're, 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 you're you've, you've lost, lost the initiative, the initiative if you like are natural ordering out Grist. You are scraping and, the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. So I mean, it's a, it's something to keep in mind. Um, 
So that's that's, yeah. that's basically my spice. Like I'm packing ATs instead of uh, or assassins trophies instead of abrupt decays, just because Merc Tide's a pain. I like that. Um, Jake may not, but I do. What assassins trophy? Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it's it's just one of those cards. Like in in, in a typical meta, abrupt decay is just much better. It almost yeah. always resolves. It hits almost it, everything. It hits almost every relevant target. It doesn't give your opponent a basic land. <laughs> yeah, but Jake doesn't have any basic yeah. lands. So. But a lot of people do. Now, now that is one of the one of the things about AT that's changed. It's going to be better against Blue Red Delver and Jeskai Tempo because they don't run basics, but it's worse against almost everything. Yeah. So and it's counterable. But what I'm thinking about is if this tournament allows proxies, I think there's going to be a proxy tournament on average is going to be closer to mirroring the quote ideal meta. Mm-hmm than a non-proxy tournament yeah. like we discussed. So I think there's going to be a lot of Merktides and Ragavans and DRCs. Yep. I think so. I, I want to be able to I mean, it. after playing with them myself, I can't imagine showing up to a tournament without Merktide in my deck. I mean, I think a dumb person wouldn't want to run that yeah. beast. Yeah, you need two people. <laughs> two dumb people. <laughs> I know, that's why I'm bringing them with me. Because well, well, there's so less Merktides to go against this the field. Is the, the, uh, the trick is when there's cards that, these, that are this strong, you either play them or you play what beats that deck. Exactly. That's the way you kind of want to approach it. Um, D&T preys on yeah. these kind of decks. I mean, it was built to beat Tempo and Delver-style yeah. decks. Yep. So it's I mean, pretty solid there. The Jeskai list I'm running is really good against Blue-Red Delver because Blue-Red Delver is trying to resolve one or two threats and have them carry, and I'm running a 10 pieces of mainboard removal. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I'm kind of trying to prey on that. I'm trying to prey on people being like, yeah, I mean, they, the, they run 15 creatures and you run 10 pieces. Exactly. <laughs> like, I want them to be on the Ragavan Merktide train and I'm like ready for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. realistically, what you should do if you're playing against them is quite literally counter or kill everything they play. Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh you're going to play Ragavan? For, force Will. Yep. Lightning Bolt. So, lightning, lightning Bolt. Whatever. whatever it is. Because if you combine your counter spells, if you combine Days, Force of Will, Swords, Prismatic Ending, and Lightning Bolt, you can kill every threat they play. Mm-hmm. And then you can win. And then just resolve one of them. Okay, yeah, then you resolve. just literally need to resolve one of yours. Or just play a land. Yeah. Or as a saga. Yeah. 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 You don't need yeah. to resolve spells anymore to get nope. creatures out. Oh, I'd say the other spicy thing I'm running that I don't see people running anymore is I decided in my deck to put an expedition map as an Urza Saga target. Because I think one of the best things Urza Saga can get is another Urza Saga. Yep. So the games where we're going long and like Urza Saga is my win con, I'm going to get my two dudes, go get a map to go get Urza Saga to make two more dudes. That's going to be grindy. Yeah. If, like, if, holy crap. If we get grindy. into a game where I don't have any other options, like, I mean, that's just a way to put essentially 20 power on the board over the course of three or four turns, but I've got hopefully Swords of Will or Swords of the Plowshares and Force of Will to back it up. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you, if you're going that route, you just kind of pinpoint your removal at uh, evasive mm-hmm. targets and then you just, you just have a brick wall of constructs yeah. sitting in front of you like, yeah, go ahead and swing with your cauldron token or whatever. I'm going to be making yep. two constructs yeah. every yep. turn. Swing for five. I'm going to yeah. swing for 15. Yeah. You got any spice in yours, Derek? Anything um, super exciting? You know, I th- was thinking I did, and then I can't really think of anything. The closest I can think of right now is Mirren Crusader. I'm still running one. Um, I love that guy for double strike. Something but, that I something dude, I haven't seen in recent DT loops or decks that I've seen you running. What's the Ma- Magara? Oh yeah, I had Magara of Condor. Well, the Magara of Condor and Caracas loop has mm-hmm. relatively commonly been cut from DT lists, and I saw you were running, and I was really yes, excited about that. 
Yeah. You want to explain to the viewers what that is? Because it's old enough that some people probably don't know what it is. So he is a 1-1 for a colorless white-white, and you can tap him to exile him and another permanent. But with Caracas, you can stack the triggers yeah. and bounce it back, bounce him back to your hand and exile something. Right. See the, Thanks to wording, yeah. sacrificing him isn't a part of the yes. cost of exiling their land. Mm-hmm. It's just they both happen at the same time. So yes. yeah, put it on the stack. Both yeah. of these things you need to sacrifice. And all it is is tap him. You yeah. just tap him, put that ability yeah. on the stack, and bounce him to your hand. Into your hand and so yes. it's slow, but in those yeah. grinding matches, once it, you're going to lose a permanent a turn. Well, oh, yeah. on top of that, I mean, if you get a vial on three. If I get a vial on three, <laughs> that's the goal. Is yeah. Put him yeah. out, bounce, put him back, you know. Yeah, that's a really powerful combo. Yeah, I guess that is still spicy because it's not seen play anymore either. And I just, I've always run the Crusader, and maybe I'll actually change that before we leave. I've always run the Crusader because I would put a Sword of Fire and Ice on him. Mm-hmm. So now he's a 4-4 double strike, and the sword triggers twice. That's scary. And he's got protection two, two from every color except for white then. But now that I'm not running the sword, maybe I should take that out. But be, I, I would say, to be honest, if he doesn't, if he, if he can't gain protection from white, that might be reason not to, not, not, not to run him. Because white is just... We, we've we, seen almost Well, I still have deck. a Sword of Light and Shadow on my sideboard. Okay, there you go. Because we've seen almost every deck now splashing for white to get that top tier removal. It's just, we aren't in the world anymore where like Abrupt Decay, Assassin's Trophy, Fatal Push, those are not our premier removal in Legacy. We're in the world of Swords of Plowshares, Prismatic Ending, and even Solitude. Yeah, that's uh, only scrubby players now play Abrupt Decay and uh, Assassin's Trophy. Yeah, well, I was going to just make a kind of a, a scrubby comment. So I got here. And both of you asked if I was running Prismatic Ending in my DNT list. Because we're both stupid. And then you both were like, wait, you only have white man. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Turns out Prismatic Ending is well, not very is, good. That's a very good reason to not run it. I probably would still run one or two. Because I basically still considered just, putting it like one or two in the board. Yeah. Swords five and six. Yeah. It, yeah. it still yeah. hits. I mean, against elves, it hits yeah. every, almost everything. Because mm-hmm. it still hits all your ones. It still yeah. hits most of the important stuff in Delver. It, it can still hit a lot for one mana. The reason I probably wouldn't play it is because it's a sorcery. Well, it, and it's a combination yeah. of things. It's a sorcery, and you don't get to use it as maximum value. Yeah, And un- so unlike just, some scrubs, you only have 60 slots in your deck. You're not yes. running Yorion for that 80-card deck. And Matt asked me if I wanted to play that style of build, and I just, I haven't played it, mm-hmm. so I just don't think I do. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't, I think... Yorion is a very interesting take on the deck mm-hmm. if you've played it more than once. Like, yeah. it's not something I would want to pivot to having never played it before. Yep. If you get to practice online, I personally think it's probably a little bit stronger because I think it's. You get more like redundancy, said, like you said, when we were well, texting yeah, yeah. about it. It's one of those things where I think it gives you a little bit more power. Mm-hmm. You lose a little bit of consistency, but DNT has enough redundancy that you're not taking a huge blow to consistency. Yeah. You do miss out on. You do reduce the odds of having some of your most powerful turn one plays with Mom and Aether Vial. Yeah. But you do also reduce some of your really bad draws. Yes. And that was one of the things that uh, I was reading some comments about it and I hadn't really thought of. But one of the worst hands you can get in Death and Taxes is having like two or three equipment in your opening hand. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. When you have an 80 card deck, that just that becomes, becomes so, a lot less. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So it's just trade and power for consistent. It's the that's magic 101. Power consistency. Yeah. And I, I think people I can lean on the power side. See the benefit to it. I just haven't played it. So yeah, it's I think that'd be the worst thing you could do is show up. It I can't imagine showing up to a tournament for the first time with a deck you've never played. <laughs> I have played this deck uh five or six matches. 
Not never. <laughs> no, You're going to laugh when I'm taking laps in the victory circle. Yeah, good luck. After everyone else. Yeah, when they leave. Yeah. And the, well, the, the room's is, cleared out. I can go yeah. take pictures. This is how it always goes, though, is like, I uh, scrub out during testing. Yep. Well, that's why I'm really worried because I've won a lot of games tonight during our practice, and that doesn't usually even happen. I'm very confident I'm going to scrub out here and at a tournament. Yeah, it's just the rule of thumb. I haven't lost my five tournaments yet. I'm yeah. relatively new to Magic. And I'm new to competitive Magic. I haven't just lost five tournaments yet. It. Got to get your loses in. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the the big thing is nerves is part of it. Mm-hmm. Like just. Mm-hmm. Sitting down and play, and I mean, like we were talking about before, like I still get excited just playing Magic in general, and just sitting down and playing people you don't know in a competitive REL yep. where it's like, oh well, I mean, if I if my sleeve gets caught on a card, I could get a game loss. Yeah. Like, so pro tip: wear short sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Resolve your ponders but, correctly. Don't right. Put them I in mean, your hand. Little mistakes, like you have to be on it, and not only do you have to be playing at your highest level, you also need to be watching your opponent to make sure they're not doing anything shady. Because eight hundred dollars is on the line. Yeah, I was. So, I was telling Derek, I, there's a lot of pressure. I just recently watched. I got on a rabbit hole on YouTube watching magic cheaters caught on camera, and none of these cheaters were even slick. Oh, they man. weren't even subtle, and they got every one of them got missed. One or two of them were like being streamed, and they got caught, but. The guys that I saw cheating were just like palming cards from their deck or mm-hmm. they'd look through their deck, put a card on top, fake shuffle, put it back down. Like, yep. it makes me kind of nervous because, yeah, you got people playing for between eight hundred and a thousand dollars. There are people willing to cheat for less. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. People will cheat for like nothing. Which, just for the fun. Yeah, I've played Call of Duty. That's a very true thing. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll just cheat just to piss other people. Yep. Off. Yeah, exactly. I was uh, I play Call of Duty a, a bit at home. And it's just obvious how many people have aim bots because you get your kill cam and you can see him shoot. It's like that's he was aiming through the wall at me, snapped to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I told Sarah, like, oh, it's just he's aimbotting. And you get a couple of them. I'll leave this lobby. And she asked me, why would they aimbot? And I said, because they think this game is a zero sum game and they want to take as much fun from everyone else as they can. Yep. That's what in a, in a world, and you're not playing for money. Yeah. That's what a cheater's trying to do. They're just trying to take as much fun from everyone else when we could all have fun. And enjoy it. And you get some kills. I get some kills. And they're like, I want all the kills for me. And I want no one to enjoy this. And I don't want to put in. The biggest thing is. They don't want they to put want, in the work. Correct. Yeah. They want to get that rush of winning without putting in the effort to get good. And then, there. I mean, it's, it's shortcuts 101. I want to win. Yeah. I don't want to practice. I don't want to. I mean, yep. the people who play Call of Duty or any sort of Twitch shooter or anything like that where it's just. Like it takes muscle. It does. Like watching professionals. Basically, if you watch a professional do anything, you're like, holy crap. Like the level of dedication it takes to be on like a pro Counter-Strike team is ridiculous. It's a full-time job. They were 50 or 60 hours a week playing Counter-Strike. Yeah. Just practicing. (laughs) Just practicing. I've seen, and a lot of people don't see, like it's not just playing matches. Those guys go make custom maps, custom rule settings, and spend spend hours at higher levels or different... Yeah, doing quick shots, yep. doing yep. aiming, uh, transitioning. Like they, I used to play Overwatch quite a bit, and I didn't want to go pro, but I wanted to get better. And I looked into some people's like recommendations of like, yeah, build this map, and it's a lot of what well, it is is a lot of maps with AI and headshot only, and go spend mm-hmm. ten hours doing headshot only. Yep, just so you can get good. Just so step one, you have to be able to shoot your opponents in the head every, every time. time. Yep, because the people who are, you're going to be playing against can't. Yep. Yeah. 
like we talked about in our most recent podcast, the idea that you should be prepped for your tournament. Oh, yeah. Get yeah. some sleep, eat some food, and be ready to sit down and be kind of uncomfortable. You forgot number four. Be hydrated. Be hydrated. Because if you get to hour seven and mm-hmm. your opponent is hydrated, slept well, had some pain medication, and is ready to play, and you are not, you are at a distinct disadvantage because oh, yeah. they yeah. are more ready than you are. The Basically, the best I've ever done at a big tournament was GP Richmond like 2015-ish, which was modern. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like 4,000 people. And I lost rounds one and two. So I was 0-2. Ooh. Yep. That's drop territory. And then I won six in a row. Oh, wow. And my routine at that point was I had peanuts with me. I drank a bottle of water on the like odd matches. I don't remember which which now. And then on the other matches, the even, I drank a Red Bull, an eight-ounce Red Bull. And then... I eat peanuts between every round. Matt is a high proponent of the take some Excedrin, drink an energy drink, and just light up for your matches. Yep. I don't know where Matt got it, but I wouldn't be surprised if we got it from the same person. Mm -hmm. We both have. That sounds very similar. Yeah. Kind of a magic idol, Mike Flores. And he was the one who kind of like detailed his routine on a podcast once. And I tried it when I went to Richmond. And like I said, yeah, I lost one and two. But then I went six. The peanuts hadn't kicked in yet. Yeah, that's what it is. Well, I didn't eat until round one was over. You you lose the matches, you're hungry. Yeah. Yeah. So I. So tomorrow on the way there, can we stop and pick up some Excedrin and a Red Bull? (laughs) I've already got Mountain Dew Kickstarts in the fridge. Gotcha. Good to know. (laughs) But so I went six more in a row and won. And honestly, the third round I lost, which kicked me out of day two, Mm -hmm. was very close. That's crazy, though. I mean, just to think. When someone walks up onto the to the o, to the O two table, oh yeah, like no one is sitting there thinking I have a chance of top eighting or mm-hmm. day twoing, and here you are going to your third, fourth, fifth, sixth yeah. game making it happen. Yep, yep. And I, I played uh, at that point in time. I was playing Jeskai, and I think it was around like seven. All of my friends that were with us were standing behind mm-hmm. me. And I was playing against Boggles, and that is not, well, at the time, was not a good matchup at all. And my friends were behind me, and I won. And I was like, holy sh... And they were like, how did you manage that? Like, they were all shocked. You found your 5%. Yeah, yeah. I I literally was playing the little bit here and there Mm -hmm. to get there. And you're only going to see that if you're cranking down some Red Bull. Oh, and I... Well, and I was prepared by that point, the Red Bull, the water, the peanuts, but I put the matches in with the deck before we left. Yeah. yeah, Yep. I put a lot of matches in actually against Boggle because I was like, I need every yep. 1% that I can. I'm looking forward to playing some more D&T with you tonight because, again, going to the tournament, I expect to see D&T. It's one of the best. It is the best budget deck on top of just being a good deck. Yeah. Budget. <laughs> budget is definitely a frame of mind when it comes yeah. to legacy. It's budget might be a frame of mind for magic. It's probably yeah. the most common legacy deck people have. And so oh, I want to be prepared. And I the matchup is I don't know, I don't say because I I played against Matt a bit and I hosed him. But those were just a couple of matches. I played against you and had some I got hosed and some that I was close but still lost. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where this matchup is. It's probably somewhere in the 40-60. Like, I, I don't think I'm favored. I don't think you're favored. But, but I don't think it's like 80-20. Yeah, it's, it's close, close enough that I have a chance. Yeah. And I want to get as much grinding in with you because I, I expect to see that. I am afraid of that matchup. And this is a great opportunity to play a very skilled D&D player and be more prepared for it. And one of the things I love about D&T, which is why I like to play it, 
is you see like Delver decks and you look at like 20 deck lists and they're all basically the exact same. Mm -hmm. You look at uh, Storm decks and they're basically all exactly the same. You can look at Brian Cook's website and you got it. But then you look at a DNT list and I looked at like 10 the other day, which 10 is not a huge sample size, but all 10 were a little different Mm -hmm. because you play to, uh, well, I'm going to put like two cards in because I think I'm going to see a lot of elves. Yeah. And I... I'm going to try and prepare for that. Yep. I think I'm going to see a lot of Merktide Regent, so I'm going to try and figure something out for that. And I feel like DNT is one of the most versatile for that because it has so much synergy to go look for stuff. Yep. And the, the recruiter of the guards really glues all that together. The ability is. to just run yeah. probably, what, seven, eight, one ofs. Oh, yeah. Just like, yep. I need this effect. Yeah, I need Spirit of the Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. I need Athalia. I need... Solitude. Solitude. Oh, being able to grab solitude yeah. is huge. Being able to tutor up swords to plowshares is yeah. bonkers. Yep. I can't wait to meet you in round one. <laughs> I will just concede. <laughs> nah, you that. can do it. I'll slip. I'll slip you some merktides. <laughs> I can't cast them. <laughs> yeah, I'll slip you some. I'll slip you some, vulca- some volcanics too. <laughs> this is this new weird Delver D and T mix. Yeah, that's what the D and D Delver and Texas. <laughs> Two things are constant in Magic: Delver and Daxes. Yep. yep. Truth. Okay, well, we're all tapped out. <laughs>